Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pena, and I'm bringing you today's word for December 4th, 2018. I'm teaching a series entitled Standing on a Word from God, where God gives you a word. Listen, God will give you a word and don't think that it's going to happen tomorrow. That happens sometimes, but that's like 2% of the time. Most of the time, you got to be processed to be able to carry out the weight of the anointing associated with the assignment. And so we've been studying different people and seeing how David had, uh, Abraham had to be processed. We studied that first, and now we're looking at the life of David. So David was called to be king, but along the way, he had to endure a bunch of stuff before he could take the throne. So let's go back to his life. This is Standing on a Word from God, part 62 and part 34 of the life of David. I'm calling it today's message. They don't know your story. At the end of the day, listen, most people don't really know the true story, your story. They don't know your story. So that's what I'll deal with on today. Yesterday, we learned that David, after killing those hundred Philistines that Saul asked him to do, which was a ridiculous requirement, by the way, uh, after he had offered him a daughter and then reneged and gave the daughter to somebody else. And then Michael, his other daughter, fell in love with David. And it was like, OK, well, you can marry this one. And he was trying to get David killed after all of that foolishness. David and Princess Michael finally had a wedding. And, and I'm sure that it was beautiful. It was a royal wedding. He got married to the king's daughter. Now think about that for a minute. As I was thinking about the wedding, I don't know why, but I thought about Eliab, right? And I'm going to talk about him this morning. Do you remember him, Eliab? He's the eldest brother. He was the firstborn of Jesse, the eldest of eight brothers. David was the youngest and Eliab was the eldest, right? And so let's just think about him at the wedding. The Bible doesn't say that, um, that Eliab was at the wedding, but I mean, chances are Jesse and his boys were there, right? I mean, because it, their little brother was getting married. And so um, years ago, I read a book by Dr. Warren W. Wearsby called Preaching and Teaching with Imagination. So I like, to, I like to imagine. I like to use my holy imagination. So I'm thinking about Eliab at the wedding this morning, right? So I'm thinking about him at the wedding. He's sitting there at the wedding. His little brother is getting married to the king's daughter, to the princess. This wedding is beautiful, right? It's a royal wedding. And he's sitting there at the wedding thinking, Man, that should have been me. I'm the firstborn. He, I mean, he, this firstborn thing was huge for them. Back then, like if you were the firstborn, you had the, the birthright. And so you're supposed to be like the most blessed. And so he's like, man, why is this happening to this little joker, not to me? And so he's sitting there looking at his, and, and the Bible, I can see from, from what happened in David's life from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17 and 18, that Eliab didn't really like David. Um, so, so let's just even think about that situation. Remember when the prophet Samuel showed up at the house? So the prophet Samuel shows up, says to Jesse, line up your boys. The Lord sent me here. I'm supposed to release a blessing over one of your boys. He stands in front of Eliab. David wasn't even in the lineup. So seven of the boys are there. Jesse is there. The prophet is there. He stands in front of Eliab. And the Bible says, first Samuel 16 and six, that the prophet looked at him. It was like, man, this is a good looking boy. He's strong. He's handsome. He's, you know, Surely the prophet, a man of God said, surely this is the Lord's anointing. And the Lord said, what are you talking about? You're looking at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. No, this is not about him being good looking or being on the cover of GQ magazine. This is about what's going on in his heart. That's not the one. And then, they, you know, then the other one, not the one, not the one, not the one. They went through all seven boys. And then Eliab had to stand there as David came out out of the field. They had to wait for David. And then as David came into the house, they had to watch as their little brother got anointed right in front of them. So I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. Here's another reason why I know he wasn't happy. In chapter 17, 
Here you have a situation where David was running an errand for his daddy. His daddy said, hey, take your brother some food, your brothers. And so one of those brothers was Eliab. Eliab was in the army. He was at the front lines. And so David is out there taking lunch, can't find his brothers. He gives the food to the supply sergeant, and then he starts asking questions. What's going on with this giant? What's going to happen? Or I hear somebody needs to fight him. What's going to happen to the person that kills the giant? And they said, well, whoever kills the giant gets to marry the king's daughter, and their family is going to be tax-exempt for the rest of their lives. And Eliab heard David asking about what's going to happen for the giant, and he blew up on his brother. He said, this is 1 Samuel 17 and 28. What are you doing here? Why aren't you out? Man, mind your own business. Why aren't you back at home tending those scrawny little sheep that you have? I know what you're up to. You come down here to see the sights, to, to hope to see, uh, get a ringside seat at the bloody battle. You just want to see a fight. Man, get out of here. Go back to those little sheep. Now, it's obvious that Eliab didn't like David and he was resenting him. So I could just imagine the look on Eliab's face. When he was the one that had a ringside seat and his little brother went down there into the valley and killed the giant. I just imagine what his face looked like when David cut the giant's head off. So, yeah, it's easy. Let's get back to the wedding. It's easy for Eliab to be thinking, man, that should be me out there marrying this girl. Man, you know, David doesn't deserve this. But the truth is that Eliab had no idea what David went through to get to where he got. And that's how it is with most people. They don't know your story. They don't know your true story. They have no idea. That's why you can't get caught up in them, in their bitterness or their resentment or their jealousy towards you. You just have to run your race. That's what I'm dealing with on today. So what does this mean to you today, right? This Tuesday morning, this morning. What does this mean to you today? I have two things to share with you this morning, and I believe both of these things are going to be a blessing to you. Open up your heart now to receive. You ready? Here are the two things. Number one, most people don't know what you've been through to get to where you are today. That's the truth. Most people just don't know that. They see your success, but they don't know your struggle. They see your glory, but they don't know your story. See, God has a way of making your mess your message. God has a way of taking your test and making it your testimony. However, when most people look at you after you've been processed along the way, they just have no idea what you've been through to get to where you are. So, Many people may covet where you are today, right? Because you're more like a finished product. You've been on the other side of some stuff. And so they look at you today and they may covet what you have. They may covet your influence or your power or your position or your possessions. But at the end of the day, if the truth were told, they wouldn't want to go through what you went through to get to where you got. If, if they had to go through what you went through, they probably would just say, nah, I'm good with that. Eliab was not there. Eliab could say all he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should have been me. But Eliab wasn't there when David had to kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands. Eliab wasn't down there in the valley with the giant. He had an opportunity. He had 40 days to do it, and he never signed up for the battle. Eliab wasn't there when the king, the man with ultimate authority, threw two spears at David, trying to kill him and impale him to the wall. He was not there. Eliab wasn't there when David had to go kill a hundred Philistines in order to marry the king's daughter. So yes, it would have been too easy for Eliab to stand and say, well, David's just lucky. No, people will do that to you all the time. They go, oh, he's just lucky. Oh, she's just lucky. If I had the chance to do what he did, I would get what he got. No, stop saying that. 
Stop saying that. Listen, you weren't there. When I went through what I went through, the hand of God is on my life and I've been processed for such a time as this. I'm, I am where I am because I've been through what I've been through. You don't know my story. So don't even try to put your, your mouth on me. Listen, I'm going to let you run your race and I'm going to run my race. People like to acknowledge your harvest, but they conveniently just overlook the seeds that you've been sowing for years. So don't allow their poison to stifle you. Don't allow their bitterness or resentment to cause you to, to get off course or to, to derail you from your destiny. You just remain humble. You thank God for his goodness and you know that God has given you a race and you're going to run your race with patience. Listen, if the, the truth is they, if they tried to do what you did, they would have never survived long enough to see the success. At the end of the day, they have a grace and you have a grace and you have to leave it at that, which leads me to my second and final point. Number two, they don't have your grace. And that's the bottom line. They just don't. Um, you don't have their grace and they don't have yours. The same people who covet what you have and who you become, they would have been destroyed if they would have went through what you went through. So you just focus on being you. You, you, you just continue to walk down the path to your destiny. They want your success, but they don't want the struggle required to get it. So just pray for them and remain focused and remain humble. When others resent your success, thinking that they could have done what you did, or watch this, here's another one. I, I hear this sometimes. Or they think they could have done it better than you, <laughs> right? If I had that chance, I would have done it, and I would have done it better than him. At the end of the day, don't entertain their envy. You have God's grace on your life. They have a certain level of grace. So if they keep spending their time wondering what it would be like to live your life, then they're wasting their own life. So don't do that. Just pray for them. You run your race and you keep going. Don't waste time. Last thing I'll say as I close, don't waste time wondering what it would be like to run someone else's race. They have their own race with their own grace. So you have to run your own race with your own grace and you got to run it at your own pace. <laughs> and that's the only way that you could become the man or the woman that God has called and destined and designed and desires for you to be. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to speak this over your life. You ready? Say this. Say, Father, I thank you for gracing me to get to where I am today. You elevate me today <laughs> to a certain level of success and you put me on display. Now others see the success that I experience at this stage of my life and most of them have no clue what I've been through. They see the success, but they don't know the struggle. They see the glory, but they don't know the story. They see the harvest, but they were not there when I was sowing seed. So I refuse to allow <laughs> the bitterness or resentment of others to cause me to get bitter. I run my own race with my own grace and I run it at my own pace. Others don't have my grace and I certainly don't have theirs. So I just focus on being me, on being the best me you call me to be. I declare that I am uniquely equipped to change the world because no one else on this planet has the grace that you've given me. I declare this by faith in Jesus name. Amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and 
prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to todaysword.org. There's a subscribe button there. Subscribe. Get the messages. The messages are going to be a blessing to you. As you head into this day, make a determination right now. You're not going to be moved by others. You're not going to be moved by what they say or what they think. Or if they think you're just lucky, at the end of the day, just pray for them. Keep Keep focus. Keep your eyes fixed and focus on Jesus. You just be you. There is a race that God has set before you. It is an endurance race. So you run with patience the race that God has set before you. You run your race with God's grace and run it at your own pace. God bless you.